Welcome to the Multiply Your Success podcast, where each week we help growth-minded entrepreneurs and franchise leaders take the next step in their expansion journey. I'm your host, Tom Dufour, CEO of Big Sky Franchise Team. And as we open today, I'm wondering what you think about when you hear the word integrity. And do you think about other people lacking integrity or maybe people have displayed excellent integrity? And our guest today is Jeffrey Klubeck, who shares with us how he defines integrity and how it applies to your business and personal life. Now, Jeff recently released his book, The Integrity Game, which weaves his 10 points of integration into a thought-provoking and actionable parable. As an upbeat and charismatic coach and consultant, he focuses on how to make businesses and entrepreneurs thrive while not losing a sense of what makes a company outstanding, which is leadership. Jeff is a successful author that has worked with small and big businesses, including companies like State Farm, Brian Tracy International, and Biogen. So let's go ahead and jump right into my interview with Jeffrey Klubeck. My name is Jeff Klubeck, and I'm like the founder, author, speaker, head coach of a new brand called The Integrity Game, but it's owned by my parent company, Get a Clue Incorporated. So I'm, you know, marketing myself, branding myself, but we're growing with this new brand, Integrity Game. Great. I love it. And I love the Get a Clue because it's K-L-U, like your That's last right. name. I thought that was very clever, very well played. Yeah, and, you know, it's interesting. There's mixed feelings about it. I'm really glad that you appreciate it, but it's so attached to my name. That's why I like the Integrity Game better as a brand because it's more scalable in that regard. But it is, you know, boutique and tongue-in-cheeky, and that's it's jovial, and that's a lot about my personality. So thank you for that, Tom. And with this new brand, the Integrity Game, that's the name of your new book as well. And that's really what I was hoping to talk through. So for our audience, chances are they haven't read it yet. Hopefully after this interview, they will. Give us a summary here. Talk about the integrity game. Yeah, there's a lot of things that I could say about it. I try to simplify it. It's a parable. So it's a made-up story. There's a rich tradition of parables being effective in the personal professional growth space, like the Move My Cheese or One Minute Manager or the E-Myth Revisited, that the parable format makes a lot of difficult or complex or deep diving concepts more digestible, you know, quick read. So it's very much a quick read, but that acts as Trojan horse to get a 10-point model introduced into our world. And when most people use the word integrity, they're using it from a place of judgment to judge somebody else for not being their word or judge somebody else for not doing the same thing when somebody's watching as when nobody's watching. So what I'm trying to do with the integrity game is make it easy and fun to look within, to create a 10-point framework, which can be a system or a process or a, a mechanism for increasing one's own or team's or organization's integrity. You know, a lot of people can say that person's out of integrity or that person has no integrity or that person needs more integrity. And I'd say, well, okay, if we were going to increase that person's integrity, how would we do that? Is there a stepwise or a systematic approach to increasing our own or another's integrity? If I'm a leader and want more integrity or if I'm a leader and want my direct reports to have more integrity, What's step one? What's step two? What's step three? Or what doors do I knock on to get into that room? I'm trying to make it easy and fun to look within when we're playing this integrity game. Really, really interesting. And in the opening part of your book, you talked about focusing on the word integration when you talk about the word integrity. Love Mm -hmm. for you just to talk a little bit about that and what you mean there. By the way, props to you, Tom, like for doing it because it's a great question. 
normally I have to introduce this concept, but for you to bring it out is really exciting for me. So I really mean what I'm saying when I say thank you right there. So imagine I'm doing public speaking on the integrity game as a keynote, right? And I'll ask everybody, by show of hands, how many of you believe you have integrity? You can imagine 100% of the room raises their hand. And I say, keep your hands up and repeat after me. I, I do, do solemnly swear, swear not to shoot the messenger in 45 minutes, right? As an attention getter. But I want good ratings. I want to be invited back as the speaker, right? So hang on before I offend anybody. Let's make sure we're talking about the same thing. And to your question, that's right. Well, what is it? And I'll let the audience tell me. This is the interactive part of the, the keynote, right? What is integrity? And I always get two answers. I alluded to them a second ago. I'll repeat them now in the context of this question. One answer I always get is be your word. Do what you say you're going to do. And then people nod like you just did. Okay. And then we pin that on the board. And then I'll say, does anybody else have an answer? And then somebody will say, do the same thing when nobody's watching that you would when somebody is watching or do the right thing regardless of who's watching. And then I see your face again light up. So we'll pin those two answers on the board. Do the right thing regardless of who's watching and be your word. Anybody else? Anybody else? And usually even if somebody says the same answer in a flowery way or a different language pattern, right? It's still the same thing. And it's those are judgment-based interpretations, judgment-based understandings, right? So here's what's interesting. We talk about integration. Over here, when we be our word, we're integrating. There is a coming together with word and behavior. And over here, when we do the right thing, when, regardless of who's watching, there's an integration, a coming together of behavior with values, morals, or ethics. So in both of the examples that I pull from audiences or that is at the tip of our tongue or the forefront of our mind, when we think about integrity, if we were asked to define it, we would say, be your word or do the right thing. So in both of those cases, there's a coming together of one thing with another. And here's what's cool, Tom. In both cases, it's behavior. That's the evidence of our integrity. It's not what I thought I was going to do, not what I meant to do, not how I would describe myself if asked in public, not the peer pressure to raise my hand so I'm not seen like, you know, right? But like, what did you do? Did you do what, did the behavior integrate with your word? And did the behavior integrate with your values, morals, and ethics? So we, I like these two answers because it allows us to introduce the notion of integration. Now, where it falls apart, though, is if I said I was going to, you know, drink 18 beers before this podcast interview, and then I drink 18 beers before the podcast interview, I will have done what I said I was going to do. But could I claim integrity? And we both know the answer is no. And then on the other side over here, you sometimes time is money. Sometimes patience is a virtue. Sometimes if you never quit, you never lose. And sometimes you better know when to cut your losses. So isn't what's right a moving target? And doesn't it shift from culture to context to situ? The example that I give a lot lately, coming even coming out of the holidays, four months removed, five months removed from the holidays, that we would all agree you should never lie. But there's this thing called Elf on a Shelf that has us lying to our children for 26 days every year, right? So don't lie, except when, but okay, but if it's convenient and if I'm going to avoid... So what's right or wrong is a moving target. And most people are sitting here in judgment of others, right? And I, I, I want to put an end to all of that. So we like the idea of integration, coming together of two or more things, but word and behavior and behavior and values isn't enough. I believe there are 10 things that we want to bring together, that if we work towards bringing 10 things together... If we have answers to 10 question sets and we make sure those answers integrate, we're going to have more focus, more resilience, more, more success. We're going to attract the right people. We're going to have to be better time managers, on and on and on and on and on. So the coming together, and it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing, Tom, because they start with the same six letters, integrity and integration. But not one person I've ever asked, what is integrity? 
will use the word integration in their answer because most of us were ready to judge others instead of look within. I think that's very well said. That's really what stood out to me, integration and integrity. I thought I've never heard it described in such a way, but it's that combination, the integration, I should say, of what you say and what you do. And do they match, right? Are they aligned or not to create that integrity? You mentioned a couple of times this 10 step or these 10 questions. Let's talk through those. It starts at the top. And by the way, part of this, my genius isn't that I created these 10 things. I just integrated them in one model. So anyway, so first of all, the very first question that we want to ask is purpose. Purpose. And like Simon Sinek is popularizing, start with why. And it's been proven throughout time. What's the purpose of the meeting? What's the purpose of the speech? What's the purpose of this business? Why does it? So I'm not making anything up here, but I'm just putting it in the pole position in my model. The very first thing you want to ask is, first of all, like questions like, what's the meaning of life? If you don't have an answer to that, how will you value life? How will you optimize life? How will you invest it? How will you get every second out of it? You know what I'm saying? Like, will you want to take it for granted. So first of all, what's the meaning of life? Do you have any sort of thought leadership around that that grounds you in any sort of humility or grace or whatever your theology or whatever? But then, ready? What's the meaning of your life? Forget like, why does life exist? But why does my life exist? Why am I on the planet? And what the integrity game teaches that it's okay if your answer to that question changes tomorrow. What's not okay is every day without an answer, right? Because you're building a mansion on top of quicksand if you don't have answers to purpose and you don't have answers to why. So that's, it starts there. And most people never get asked that. Most people are never held to account to declaring a why for their life. Why does my life exist? What's my purpose on this planet? And I can tell you two and a half years ago, my purpose was to help my parents reach mortality and grace in COVID when they were failing and they passed three weeks apart. My number one purpose in life was to be the best son I could be and help my parents reach mortality and grace. Two and a half years later, my purpose is to make accountability non-threatening, and I'm using the integrity game to do it. So I have an answer to this. You follow? And at the worst times in my life, I didn't have an answer. And I was wondering what my answer was, right? The best times in my life, I absolutely know what my purpose is. So we want to start there. And maybe you don't have answers to that, and you move on to the second point in the model and see if you can answer those, that question and then go back and revisit. So the second point on the model would be gifts in one word. And for when you talk about multiplying success, You better know what your competitive advantages are, right? You better know what your unique selling proposition is. You better know what your differentiation is, right? So why do people want to buy from you instead of the competition? Why do people want to hire you instead of the competition? Why do people want to raise, promote, and invest in you, do business with you, do deals with you instead of the the competition? What are your man-made gifts that some other human being has given to you? Are we willing to receive? What are your self-generated gifts? What are you willing to do for yourself? And what you what would you consider a God-given gift or a spiritual or genetic or a behavioral style that you were born into the world with, whatever your theology or source of spirituality is, right? So I like to integrate, play the integrity game. I think I've got some God-given communication skills. You know, I had some people that let me money to stay in school and I was struggling as a young college student. That was man-made gifts that I had to be open to receiving and get away from foolish pride. But then I did self-generated and got a master's degree in communication and have built this career as an adjunct professor and world-class coach, right? So I've integrated man-made, God-given, and self-generated gifts. But I know what my differentiation is. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. I know why people would want to hire me. I know why they wouldn't, right? But if we don't have answers to that, we're waiting for the rest of the world to define us rather than on and on. So these are two key points on the model. They're transformational points, right? Just doing what you say you're going to do is transactional. But why did you say you're going to do that is transformational. So without over-elaborating, the third point is potential, 
right? If I know my purpose, I know my gifts, I can imagine the potential. And when I'm working with CEOs or C-suite or executive teams or leadership teams, get them out of the environment and say, all right, vision is the farthest out we could possibly see. What do we see? Mission is a, still a ways away, but it's a destination, an arrival, an accomplishment that proves we're on our way to that vision. And then objectives are annual. What are our annual objectives? So all of that is a three-point breakdown on potential. And then it breaks down even further, less than a year. The fourth point on the model is goals. And I'm sure that you and your listeners know about smart goal setting. I added an A to that model and I changed the R to infuse it with more motivation and accountability. And then strategies, tactics, and resources. Once we set a goal, what strategies, tactics, and resources are we going to choose or select from? Hopefully the ones matched to our gifts and our advantages. And then among all of our choices, what do we commit to? What's our relationship with our word? What action do we take? Is our learning intentional or the hard way? Learning is the other point, right? If you don't have purpose and you don't have gifts and you don't have potential declared, you're going to learn a lot the hard way. It's okay. Learning is good. Any learning is good learning. But if you have answers to purpose, gifts, potential, and goals, now you're going to learn intentionally. You're going to know exactly what you're wanting to learn, why you want to learn it, how quickly you want to learn it, by when you want to be certified in it, and you're going to integrate it with the rest of your game, right? And then action and learning. So the next point on the model is accomplishment, accumulation of accomplishments. And so when our cup fill up, it could spill over into the final point of the model, which is service, you know, being clear about who we're serving, what communities do we serve? Right now I'm serving students, young professionals, challenged athletes, youth baseball. I know where my money goes when my, when I, when I spill it over, I know who wins when I win, I know who benefits. So I have answers to all these 10 questions and I check in every now and then to retrofit my structural integrity, but that's When we have answers to these 10 questions, you know, I'll just stop talking after I say this, Tom, a building, a bridge or a tunnel has structural integrity if what? If it keeps standing despite outside forces. So the integrity game tries to teach us that we're no different. Individuals, teams and organizations, we will have structural integrity if we can withstand outside forces, keep doing what we're meant to do. But without answers to these 10 questions, we will be susceptible to pressure tests. We will be vulnerable to outside forces if we don't have the resilience and the structural integrity that answers to these 10 questions gives us. Really fascinating. And when I hear you describe and go through all of these, like you said, there are things we've probably all heard in bits and pieces, right? We've heard set your goals, start with why, plan, get a place and direction where you're going. I like how you've accumulated and put them all together in a very clear, simple list. Digestible. Because what I say, Tom, is the integrity game is as easy to understand as it is difficult to play. And as I've been thinking about you talking about this integration, I'm going back to the very beginning, kind of this simple way of describing these 10 steps of that integration between what you say and what you do and coupling those together and certainly doing what's right or good. What it leads me to think about is really the end result that this delivers, in my mind at least, is it creates trust with those people that you are doing life with, business with, what have you. When those things are all together and in sync, there's a trust factor there that we may not all be able to articulate quite as well as we're going through it. We're like, why do I just trust this person? What, am I crazy? What, <laughs> what's wrong here? But no, you're not. You might not intuitively, you know, there's an intuitive sense without clearly describing. I really just like this integration piece and these 10 steps you shared. 
Yeah, without going to it visually, when I'm doing keynote on this, I ask the audiences to imagine tennis shoes, right? And the laces, right? So what are the laces doing? If you imagine going into a hole, a diagonal, when you're there, and you, I love making that noise when you get, you get the lace and you, you cinch them up. So the laces are not tying the shoe. We tie the laces. What the laces are doing is integrating the left side with the right side, bringing the left side and the right side closer. Why? So the shoe can do what it was made to do. The shoe can do what it's built to do. The shoe can reach its potential, serve its purpose, which is stay on and protect our foot. Now, if there's no laces or the laces are untied, anything out of integrity invites everything else to be out of integrity. So now the shoe could give you a flat tire. It could come off your foot. You could step on a rock. Then you're delayed. You're two minutes behind because you got to put a new sock on or get a Band-Aid. And so there's a ripple effect in the negative way, right? If we give in to anything, if we allow anything to be out of integrity and invites everything else. So as a visual, the 10, you know, imagine 10 holes on a sneaker, right? Purpose, gifts, potential, goals. So it's a beautiful visual to see the laces that bring these 10 points together. And it helps a learner, whether it's a professional learner in a corporation or a college level senior at San Diego State where I'm teaching classes this semester, it helps a learner see the integrity game as a function of structural integrity. That it's it's our effort to answer these questions that gives our life, our teams, our careers, our businesses, structural integrity to withstand outside forces. Somebody comes along right now and says, hey, Jeff, here's an opportunity, or can you help me with this? or I need you to do that. It either fits or it doesn't fit my current set of answers. It makes it very easy to say, yes, that fits. I'm a yes to that. Or, you know what? Thank you for asking me. But right now I'm working on my game. And so ask me again in six months after I achieve these goals I'm working on. And it's totally polite. It's not a conflict. And most people are blown around like a feather in the wind, not knowing which opportunity is going to lead them to success. But we have to look within and have our answers to these questions, in my opinion. Well, Jeff, Mm -hmm. this is a great time in the show for us to make a transition where we ask every guest the same four questions before they go. And the first question we always ask every guest is, have you had a miss or two in your career and something you learned from it? Yeah. Oh, I mean, if I can expand, you know, from career to life, you know, when I think about misses, I go back to high school. I was a freshman. I made the junior varsity basketball team. But at the end of my freshman year, before sophomore year, I developed bursitis in my left leg. And I I couldn't run for a period of months and I had to go to doctors and they didn't figure it out and CAT scans and CT scans, et cetera. But the the miss was that I didn't continue to show up when my team, my high school basketball team was playing in spring league and playing in summer league, you know, in between ninth and 10th grade. I thought, well, I'm hurt. I can't play. So I didn't go to the practices. I didn't go to the games. I didn't sit on the bench and cheer on my teammates. I did. I, I was dumb. I was ignorant and I didn't have the leadership and the mentoring in my life that said, hey, look, hurt or not hurt, you're a member of the team, you go and you contribute any way you can. That was a big miss for me at that time. My my career on the basketball team was short-lived because when I came back, I'm like, hey, where do I go? I was not well-received, right? Because I didn't get it. And so that was a big miss that served me, you know, the rest of my life. And, you know, my son is a division one athlete. He's heading to San Diego State on a baseball scholarship. So we made sure that he showed up every time that, that he, he was never a miss. Even though it was a miss for me, the only mistake you regret is the one you don't learn from. And so it, I, I'm happy that we, we, we figured it out with my kids, right? We want them to have a better life than us. And let's look at the other side. We talk about a make or two you'd like to share. And to your point, it can be personal, professional, and any time here. 
Yeah. Well, first of all, Marianne, my wife, she said, yes. Are you kidding me? Oh man. That's, that's like number one. I wake up every day and I figure out how I'm going to deserve my wife and kids. I have done a good job with kids. I did choose well in who I wanted to raise children with. And and I proved that I'm a good salesperson because she said, yes, can't believe it. All these years later, I fell in love with her when I was 19. She was 18. And and we've been together like essentially ever since. And, and that's, that's, that's what everything's all about. But in addition to that, you know, staying in school, like I mentioned it earlier, when I thought I had to drop out of school and I didn't have the money to stay in college, my boss at campus, he took me to lunch and with his boss and they said, Jeff, we don't want to lose you. And if we lent you money to, to be a part-time student, would you pay us back $100 a month? We want to keep you on campus as an employee. But if you drop out of school, chances are low that you're going to get back. And so you've got too, too bright of a future. So like pride and foolish pride, you know, I had to call my parents that night and say, Hey, guess what? You can't do it. Don't worry about that. But you raised a kid that these people want to invest in. Can I receive this loan? Do I have your blessing to receive this loan? No foolish pride. And I don't know how I was mature enough to have that conversation with my parents at 19 years old, but that's what happened. And that was a make, you know, to make sure my parents knew that instead of being sad that they didn't have the money, that they should be proud that they raised a kid that other human beings wanted to invest in. And then I wanted that permission to be an adult and say yes to this, put myself in debt to other people, but to stay in school. And so I ended up getting a master's. You know, I taught for 20 years before retiring, and now I'm back in the classroom, and I've written books, and I've been around the world as a coach, consultant, trainer, etc. One of my biggest makes right now is getting back on campus at San Diego State and the difference I'm making for college-level seniors in the School of Communication at San Diego State University. Tons, tons and tons of pride there. So I can keep going. Lots of makes, lots of makes, but it all comes down to my desire to make my parents proud. Really, I would say the maturity of having that conversation with your parents and be able to see it the way you did. I think whether you're a college student or, goodness, I know plenty of 50 and 60-year-olds that do not have the ability to have that kind of maturity and understanding and recognize that. So that's really, really impressive there. Don't ask me to explain how I was aware of those things. I just, I'm not sure. Honestly, I'm not sure. Some things are as undeniable as they are unexplainable. We had the conversation, but I don't know how it happened. Well, let's talk about a multiplier that you've used to grow yourself, your companies, personally, professionally. Yeah, just, you know, you can ask me to elaborate on any of these if you want to, but like the ones that come to mind, first of all, public speaking. I don't know if there's any greater way to, you know, talk about multiplier. Do you want to sell one to one or one to many? I mean, it's just simple math. I can sell one at a time or I can speak to 100 people. Like, so there's no greater way to build your business, build your brand, make an influence, make impact than public speaking. I mean, it's one of the reasons I love doing podcasts. It's public speaking, right? So it's a multiplier. Another multiplier that I love is white labeling. Solopreneurs, service providers, they think it needs to be them. You know, John Doe and Associates, John Doe Inc., <laughs> Doe Ray Me, you know, they, they'll use their name. And I even did this, get a clue. Right. But really, the multiplier is white labeling. Right. When I strip my own name off of my services so that anybody can sell me for a markup and then I can get assignments. Right. I don't mind being Coach Jeffrey for somebody else's brand. You want to market, you want to sell it, you want a customer service, you want to write the contract, you want to get the venue, you want to just call me and tell me where to be. I show up, I do my thing and I split. That's a multiplier, white labeling our services, but you got to be willing to take your ego out of it. And you can't play that. Well, they're paying you this now. Come on, I'm only getting that. Stop that, right? Because the cost of client acquisition is worth a lot. And anyway, so public speaking and white labeling are two. From a business perspective and a solopreneurial and multiple, you know, on and on. The other thing is, is read. Read, 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 read. Read the books that you need to read. Get mentoring. 
beyond like learning <laughs> or the best way to learn, teach something. Make a decision that you're going to learn something so well that you're going to teach it. And guess what's going to happen as soon as you start to teach it? You're going to learn it even better. So you want to multiply your knowledge, endeavor to teach. You want to multiply your skills, your ability, your contacts, the doors that can be open for you, the favors that you can do and the favors that you can call in, read books, get mentoring, put yourself out there. You want to multiply your business, your prospects, your sphere of influence, do some public speaking, have your messaging down and white label. Be willing to white label your services, leave your ego at the door. If other people want to get you gigs, then then let that happen. The final question we ask every guest before they go is, what does success mean to you? Woo! Success, I mean, what a tough question, right? And first of all, I want to say that I love the way you asked the question. What does it mean to you? You didn't say, what is success? As if like I'm responsible for like the universal answer, right? I really believe that it's, a, it's an inside job. It's an individual game. It's an autobiographical relationship, right? Do you feel fulfilled or empty energetically, spiritually, emotionally? Achievements. There's a difference between like fame, a lot of people know you, and achievement, where you accomplished something, right? So I'm a big fan of Mind the Gap. What's the difference between success and achievement, fame and achievement, popularity and accomplishment, right? So what are tangible achievements? Whether it's, you know, my, my youngest son, my 10-year-old, he took in the trash cans from the curb without being asked. It was an achievement right? All the way up to writing a book or producing a master's thesis or winning an award, making a sale, hitting a quota, paying dividends, paying back a loan. It was an achievement to pay back my college loans. That was an achievement. So success involves fulfillment, achievement. The third thing I would add, it can't be scarcity. It can't even be average. It can't be sustenance and it can't be scarcity. It's got to be abundant. There's got to be an element of abundance, like more than enough. Of what? Well, what are our most precious resources, Tom? Time, money, health, and space. Do I have the space? Do I have the health and the energy and the vitality? Do I have the money? Do I have time for others, myself, my kids, etc. So I, if, I, if I have an abundance of time, money, health, and space, I am successful. I love it. Before we go here, Jeff, is there anything you were maybe hoping to share or get across that you haven't had a chance to yet? I don't think so. I, I'd like to reemphasize what I, I think I mentioned early on is just my gratitude. I mean, you know, for the way that this works and the way people come to be guests on podcasts and the amount of work that a podcast host does, not just to like conceive it, conceptualize it, but then the technical and the editing, the production and the booking of guests and the instruction. I have a lot of respect and admiration for what you're doing as the host. I think my job as a guest is the easy part. Show up and answer questions, right? But for you to realize, hey, this guy is going to be valuable to my audience. I'm interested in the integrity game. I would like to just rearticulate my gratitude. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it, Tom. Well, thank you for your time as well. And while we're talking about the integrity game, how can someone get a copy of your book? Yeah, well, it's, it's easy to find the integrity game on Amazon. It's like 13, 14 bucks or whatever. That's the best way, 13, 14 dollars. I think the Kindle version is five dollars. I'm easy to find, you know, even though things are growing and hopefully one day I've got some assistant that screens all of my emails and stuff. Right now I still respond to my own personal messaging. So you can find me on LinkedIn and send me a message. And if you send me a message in your address, I'll sign a copy and send it out to you. It's, it's very casual, very conversational, very accessible, very personable. I'm, I'm very easy to find. The integrity game is easy to find. And I'm grateful in advance for anybody that makes the effort. 
Jeff, thank you so much for a fantastic interview. And let's go ahead and jump into today's three key takeaways. So takeaway number one is when Jeff described how he defines integrity. And he said in all of his sessions and seminars, it always comes down to two things. And it says, one is to be your word and two, to do the right thing. So essentially do what you say and say what you do and to do the right thing. And he said in each answer, it's a behavior that matters, not what you say, but what you do. Takeaway number two is when Jeff described integration of what you say and what you do create alignment, which ultimately creates integrity. And he gave the illustration of imagining a pair of tennis shoes and think about the laces of the shoes. The laces are integrating the left and right side of the shoe. And so when the laces are not tied or put together, well, the integrity of that shoe is not there anymore. So you have to have that integration. And takeaway number three is when he shared a miss that he had, and I thought this was great. He shared how he had made the junior varsity team in high school, had an injury, and decided that he was not going to show up for any practices or for any games or anything like that. And then the next season ended up, as I recall, he didn't make the team. And the lesson there is that you still need to show up because he was part of the team. Even though he wasn't actively playing, he was still a part of the team and needed to be there. I thought that was just a great lesson learned and takeaway. And now it's time for today's win-win. So today's win-win is when Jeff shared with us the analogy about a building and having structural integrity. And he said, the building has structural integrity if it remains standing and its foundation and all the parts that make structural integrity sound. And he said, that type of structural integrity applies to you and me and everyone in our organization that when we have personal integrity and we keep that structure sound, we keep that alignment or that integration there to withstand outside pressures that are coming at us, we maintain and keep our personal integrity. I thought that was a great takeaway from our conversation today, and that's gonna be a win for you and for me and for anyone else that applies and implements that. So really appreciate that interview today. And that's the episode today, folks. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast to make sure you give us a review. And remember, if you or anyone you know might be ready to franchise their business or take their franchise company to the next level, please connect with us at BigSkyFranchiseTeam.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to having you back next week.